Okay, welcome uh, once again to another Throttle Up radio show and podcast, and I'm your host, Captain Kevin Smith, and I am glad to be here. A couple of uh, things administratively, we are a radio show and a podcast, so... uh, uh, you can uh, listen to us, uh, what, uh, lots of, two ways, two major ways, right? Talking to my audio engineer. So uh, we are on Red State Talk Radio weekend show. Both days and both channels, you can go to the uh, website, find out where exactly and when. It's a, a little bit confusing, so it's probably best to do that. Um, uh one show is on 6 p.m. on the Justice Channel, and the other show is the 7 p.m. on the Liberty Channel, both Saturdays and Sundays. So we are happy to be with Red State Talk Radio. We have been with them for a long time now. Do you know how long it's been? Quite a while, right? Is it? Is it? My audio engineer says seven years. Um, okay, well, yeah, that's... Uh, so. <laughs> That's a long-running show, isn't it? Yeah, in, in in the giant scheme of things, it's pretty long-running, and I think we've had a podcast going uh, at uh, at the same length of time. Yeah, we've been posting podcasts, right? Right since the beginning. Okay, so we have seven years of podcasts as well. Where can we find the podcast? Podcast uh, can be found on. Our website, uh, throttleupradio.com, has a complete inventory of podcasts. Also, all of the podcast platforms that we are aware of, uh, the one that I have been using recently, because I do check in with my show uh, every week to check out certain uh, technical and artistic things, is CastBox. I've been using them for a while. Uh, they seem to be pretty good. It's a nice feature to go to a podcast platform and pick up the show there because then it remembers where you are, so you don't have to listen to it in all one setting. You can listen to it uh, multiple settings, which is what I do because I'm pretty busy. Okay, so we are in the midst of a special edition. The name of the special edition is Think Like a Fighter Pilot. Part of the reason for that is, I, maybe the big reason for that is that we have a new book out. It's called The Sonic Warrior, Chronicles of a Top Gun Pioneer. And it's our latest book. Uh, it's available everywhere, by the way. Uh, all places that sell books, you can get it. It's actually distributed by Ingram. So that's the largest book distributor there is. Uh, and so we're happy about that. We just returned from a author book signing event at Barnes and Noble in Las Vegas, and so we met the uh, met a lot of people that day, and it was really quite uh, quite enjoyable. Uh, we were very happy with the response and t- delighted to meet all of these wonderful people that came up to our table and talked to us and had uh, and a nice. A nice interchange. Okay, uh, we have an audio, and of course, Sonic Warrior uh, book is also available in an audio book format, and that's also a good way to get it. And it's pretty easy to get as well. You can get it on most most places, Audible, of course, and um, Barnes and Noble has it, and uh, I think Books a Million as well. Okay. Now, think like a fighter pilot. Uh, my audio engineer is going to read me the question of this week, and then we'll dive right into it and uh, get moving along with this radio show and podcast. Hello there, Kevin. How are you? I'm good. And then hello to our listening audience. Okay. This this week's question think like a fighter pilot how exactly does a fighter pilot think and why is knowing this important for all of us 
Okay, so that's good. That's a great question, and that gets right down to the brass tacks, right down to the fundamentals, and it requires me to be able to uh, explain this whole thing that we're doing, this whole issue, this whole uh, world, if you will, or this whole uh, re- uh, re- reality uh, with respect to critical thinking and other key aspects of that and uh, to uh, clearly examine and um, to the best of our ability clarify how exactly do fighter pilots think and why do we need to know this and why is it important for all of us. Okay, so I'll start off by, uh, by saying right up front uh, with the possibility of being somewhat offensive to some is that we actually as a people, most of us don't really know how to think very well. Uh, That's pretty clear when you read uh, such uh, key items in some of the professional literature that I have access to. There's kind of a growing unease. There's a lament going on. There is a growing level of concern that a lot of us, even some of our uh, some of the key uh, warfare communities in the military are, are taking a long, hard look at our ability to think critically, solve complex problems, and to perform well with respect to uh, modern warfare. Okay, and so uh, one of the things that uh, that probably doesn't get a lot of attention, but it should, uh, which is when we're talking about think like a fighter pilot, we have to uh, we have to first and foremost recognize and acknowledge the fact that, okay, we're dealing with a rather unusual environment. This is not something that is, uh, prototypical. Uh, it is, in fact, prototypical of a very, very di- highly dynamic and very complex environment. So, so when humans are placed in that position in which they have to be able to perform well, how do they go about doing it? Uh, is it something that comes naturally, or is it something that has to be learned and practiced, and is it largely uh, unnatural or untypical, if that is such a word, and it is not an easy thing to do, nor is it an easy thing to to clarify and to precisely describe what is going on in the environment and precisely identify the key uh, cognitive attributes or the intellectual resources that uh, necessarily need to be brought to bear in order for one to address oneself in a meaningful way such that we can ultimately be successful, right? So what is the end goal here? The end goal here is mission success. What is the activity? The activity is a purposeful activity. I said this a gazillion times, so I know I'm repeating myself, but it's important. The purposeful activity happens to be rather difficult to do. It's not a common activity. It's not done that it's not something that's done uh, every day. It's not routine. okay? It is not it is not a routine activity. Uh, it's not even a non-routine activity. It's a high-stakes operation. It is critical. We have to do it. It could be a military operation. It could be a business operation, but it must be done in order to um, maintain the viability of the organization. Mission success is is important. Uh, mission success is vital in, in the military, of course, uh, often the national defense is on the line, and we have to be successful. We have to be successful to the to the point that uh, we will not 
ever be defeated and hopefully never lose a battle. So that's the, that's the goal of the military. I was in the military for a long period of time. I re, I'm a retired Navy captain. And our mission was to never lose a battle and never become, and never become defeated uh, as a nation. Uh, that's, that was our mission. In business, there's a lot of that stuff that is uh, mission critical as well. Uh, a lot of things that we do, for example, getting into air cargo. If you're a, a major air carrier, you want to get into air cargo in a big way uh, that uh, quickly becomes mission critical. And in many cases, uh, the viability of the organization hinges on that uh, key, as key business uh, activity. But the most important thing to understand is that we have to clarify, and I'm sorry I'm, I'm going back over this again because I've been here before, but uh, I, I think it bears repeating. We have to first and foremost clarify what exactly is the environment and the situation in which we find ourselves in. All right, let's, let's be very, very clear. Now, as fighter pilots, we have to be very, very careful and very critical when we examine the air combat environment. We have to be very, very uh, specific and very, very accurate in being able to clarify the air combat environment. Okay. That kind of criticality uh, needs to be uh, embraced by everybody now because we are living in challenging times whether you like it or not. So we have to be able to do that. First and foremost, we have to be very, very clear and very precise in describing the environment and the situation in which the following items have to be uh, seriously addressed. Number one is incompleteness. If you don't know what that is, then please find out. There is such a thing as incompleteness theorem. Uh, you might want to check into that. And is that an option? No. No, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not an option. This is necessary for us to address that in a uh, understandable way. Incompleteness theorem, I think it was Gödel that came up with this theorem. Incompleteness theorem basically means that that the the axioms that pertain to a particular discipline cannot be totally utilized to describe the discipline you have to bring in axioms from a different discipline so it had your life has to be multidisciplinary you, the way you think has got to be multidisciplinary if you are a biologist you have to bring in mathematics if you are a fighter pilot you have to bring in the uh, signal detection theory, which is perception, as well as mathematics, as well as geometry, as well as energy management and the energy laws and so forth and so on. So <clears throat> that's the first order of business. Anybody that's that has a singular discipline is is not particularly well equipped to deal with the complexities of today so <clears throat> go out there and learn from a number of uh, disciplinary areas the other thing is uh, indeterminism uh, I'm not sure sure I'm s uh, pronouncing that properly but it but it is indeterministic is things not deterministic can we determine 
And the answer is we have to address ourselves to that which cannot be determined exactly. Deterministic is not going to work. Ambiguity. Are, is ambiguity present in our environment, in our world? Is uncertainty present in our environment, in our world? And then from that, we will continue. But as we are doing this, keep in mind that we are, we are attempting to the best of our ability to clarify our model of reality and to make sure it is as accurate and is as realistic and it is as valid and as true as we can possibly make it. Our model of reality has to be true. It has to be accurate. This flies in the face of most of what's going on today in academia and in a lot of business. Uh, we are uh, moving away from things that are actually true and moving into the realm and domain of feelings okay why do we not want to do that because because moving into the domain of feelings is not going to get us anywhere it's just going to raise our level of anxiety so let's just stop that right now let's just stop it in its tracks all right so let's remove that let's stay objective okay objective and unemotional for the moment are our emotions important? Sure, in certain cases, but in, in some cases you have to be, and in this case you have to be uh, unemotional. You have to stay objective and don't worry about what others think of you. Okay, don't worry about that. That is, it, that is vital. Okay, number one rule, don't worry what others think, especially about you. Make up your own mind and be your own person, okay? Live your life within your own mind space and, and, and don't worry about what are the other, what occupies another mind space outside of your consciousness. Uh, that's not important at all, okay? <clears throat> Does this environment that we find ourselves in, 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 in a fighter pilot's environment, this is true. There is adversity. We are going to or have already encountered adverse conditions. Okay? And we have to be prepared for that. There is a certain kind of thinking process that we um, employ, that we evoke when adversity prevails. Okay? Is complexity... Uh, present also and in a world of a fighter pilot it is and I would say in a lot of places it is okay uh, medicine has it uh, aviation has it on and on and on is complexity a reality yes are we engaged in high-stakes operations most of what we do in the military is high stakes okay a lot of what we do in business is high stakes. Okay, so we'll check that one off. Yes, we are involved in or will be involved. There's possibly be involved in high stakes operations, and so we have to be prepared for it. Is there urgency? Must we get this done in an effective way and avoid uh, uh, debilitating circumstances and avoid defeat? Yes, it's vital. And it's urgent. In a lot of cases, we cannot afford failure. Uh, failure is not an option. Uh, and we must be successful. Are things mission critical? And in many cases, they are. I would say in most military operations, things are, in fact, mission critical. They're not trivial. In a lot of business operations, they are mission critical. I know in aviation, almost everything that we do in the field of aviation, whether it's in military aviation or commercial aviation, things actually are mission critical. 
across the board. It could be uh, aspects of uh, supply. It could be maintenance. It could be servicing. It could be pilot training. It could be flight attendant training, on and on and on. The list is uh, uh, very, very long. All of those things in the field of aviation are mission critical, including such things as having sufficient and adequate uh, flight surgeon support. So there is a me- medical component to, uh, to that which is mission critical with respect to the field of aviation and the field of military aviation. In my business, which uh, when I was a military aviator, I spent a lot of time uh, operating uh, in a aircraft carrier environment, and everything about that operation was mission critical, every single thing. Uh, it was the most intense, most mission critical environment uh, uh, known. Uh, there wasn't anything that topped it that was at the very, very top of the list. Okay, then we construct our model of reality. Be very clear about it. Uh, Take a pencil and paper or or, uh, chalkboard or whatever and and create your model of reality. Don't just sort of like, you know, uh, do it by hunch. Uh, Be very clear, And, and this has to be done. Okay, so all of my listeners out there get a pencil and paper. I use uh, I use uh, a, a blank. What do I use? I use a drawing paper, actually. Uh, a sketchbook. All right. Uh, uh, artistic sketch paper. It's blank paper that you can get. This thing says it's a sketch diary, uh, which I purchase where did i get this um i think um i think i think i got it from walmart actually uh that's that's where uh, i got i do a lot of my work on in uh in these artistic uh or artist sketch pads okay <clears throat> create our model of reality what is actual real valid and true what is what is the truth out there what does this uh, reality look like and where are the players where are the agents where are the hostiles where are the friendlies in aerial combat you got to know that that's vital okay in the world that we live in we have to know that who is hostile and who are the friendly forces because we are in fact engaged in uh, in various kinds of information warfare and other uh, societal, uh, uh, how can I say that, but battles, if you will. There's a, there's a raging battle going on right now uh, concerning uh, what's going on in the grade schools and high schools of this country, the raging battle going on. Okay, so clarify the uh, the the environment and and the situation, uh, and what are the uh, what are the actors? Uh, wh- what's going on? What are the agents? Uh, what are the players? Another way of saying that, and and create that model of reality and clarify that, and then start to work on exactly what is my mission. What's going on? What am I trying to accomplish? And what is my objective? What's my mission objective? What's the end point? Why do I need to achieve success here? What are you trying to do? You can say, well, I'm launching a book. Okay, I'm going to write and publish a book. Okay, that is your mission. That's very complex, by the way. If if you want to know it from somebody who is... Uh, been there, done that, like me, I'll tell you. Uh, if you want to be an author, you want to be a published author, <coughs> excuse me, being published by a reputable publishing house, it's going to take you two years minimum. 
in order to do that, okay? And so you have your end goal, you have your mission objectives, and you start moving forward, and there's a lot of intermediate steps before you get to the final conclusion. Lots of intermediate steps. And you map them out. They have to be mapped out, and then you have to pursue it. (coughs) Excuse me. And in many cases, you can consider that to be high-stakes operations. Okay, my world was this. High-stakes operations in my world when I was uh, on active duty in the military as a Navy fighter pilot, my world consisted of almost entirely high-stakes operations as a sonic warrior. Okay, I was the first group of fighter pilots to be designated or to be called or referred to as sonic warriors, which basically meant that, number one, I was flying a supersonic-capable airplane. Number two, I was trained to... uh, succeed in aerial combat at very high velocities. The aerial combat was conducted in uh, aircraft that were capable of achieving very high velocities and therefore also elevated energy levels. Okay, that was my world. That was my job. That was my uh, purpose in life. And because of that, in order for us, in order for me to be successful, I had to be able to clarify the intellectual means by which one can operate and succeed in an environment and situation in which uh, it in a situation uh, sorry that that was new okay so this is a brand new environment and situation that had never before been occupied by humans okay now that was a challenge but it also that was a blessing now, this doesn't make any sense, and I know, but, but, but bear with me, because what I'm going to reveal here was, was the, the, the core reason or the underlying reason, if you will, or the most important reason for our success, which was that we did not have any a priori knowledge when we went into this environment. So as first-generation Sonic Warriors, we were operating within uh, or in an environment in which uh, it was brand new to human experience. Okay. Therefore, we had to create the knowledge base. The knowledge base did not exist. All right. Why was that good? You say, oh, that was terrible. You know, we had to create the knowledge base. We had to, uh, we had to write up all of our uh, flight manuals and Nate Topps manuals and stuff like that and, uh, and tactics manuals, and, and we didn't have that. And so we were, uh, uh, that was a, uh, detriment to our ability to succeed. Uh, the the reality was that uh, the answer was yes and no. There was some challenges because we didn't have anything to go from or by, uh, but it also uh, prevented uh, one of the most, um, uh, let's say, detrimental things that have occurred uh, in 
military and in business operations. What is that? One of the most detrimental things that has ever occurred, it still, conti- it still continues to this day, and I don't understand why, but the, the whole idea of a procedures manual, okay, is the the worst possible thing that you can have in your organization. You say, Kevin, you've lost your mind. You have completely gone bonkers here. Uh, you're, you should be heading for an in, insane asylum because none of this makes any sense, and all big organizations and corporations and military organizations have procedures, manuals, and therefore uh, uh, we cannot operate without them. Okay, that's true. All organizations have procedures, manuals, okay? But if you remember, one of the key scenes in the Top Gun Maverick movie is, is, is uh, uh, Pete Mitchell comes out, played by Tom Cruise. He comes out into the, uh, into the briefing arena, and he's carrying with him the, what we call the NATOPS manual. That's, that's kind of a naval aviation term. I'm not sure what the Air Force calls their manual, but NATOPS is an acronym that stands for uh, Naval Air Training and Procedures or something like that. I can't even remember the exact uh, names behind the acronym, but we use NATOPS and used it all the time. So he takes the NATOPS manual, this big, thick manual uh, for the FA-18, and he has it in his hand, and he puts it, throws it into the trash bin. Okay. He, he f- throws it into the trash bin, and he says, uh, your enemies know what's in here, and I'm not going to teach you what's in here because the enemy already knows it. So I want to be unpredictable. Okay, now you see whatever I'm coming from. Okay, is the Nate Topps manual useless? No, it's not. Okay, but to rely on it during the course of a high-stakes operation uh, uh, is uh, first and foremost... Um, it can be useful, but it's not the primary thing in which we want to address ourselves to. What is the primary thing that we want to address ourselves to? We want to address ourselves to uh, being innovative and creative, okay? Okay. So we want to take, for example, this is the perfect example here, okay? Now, I'm going to get a little bit technical, but but bear with me. And I wish I could do this um, visually as well. We'll, we'll probably do that at some point in the future, near future. But the tactics manual that was part of our NATOPS manual when I was a fighter pilot uh, had all of the tactical maneuvers in it. Okay, so that was the tactics manual. It wasn't p- precisely a procedures manual. It was more of a uh, description of what some of the tactical maneuvers uh, look like or should look like or <laughs> what would be an optimum description of the tactical maneuver for this particular Situation, uh, situation deals with positions and closure rates and velocities and energy levels and all kinds of things like that. And it was, uh, it was useful up to a point. What it didn't do is it didn't, number one, open up the door for innovation. And it didn't show how you could go seamlessly or maneuver from one particular type of maneuver into another type of maneuver or to create for oneself a hybrid maneuver okay the the 
in the course of aerial combat, which was my warfare specialty when I was in the Navy, in the, in the course of aerial combat, often a combination, a innovative application and a combination of maneuvers uh, creatively constructed was the determining factor of whether or not you were, go- or you were going to succeed or fail. Okay, so, uh, so procedures manuals have their place, but they're not the end all and the do all. It's not, it's not what we need fundamentally. There is a place for procedures manuals, but it is not critical for mission success. What is? What is is the um, is the uh, uh, saving room within our mind space for th- uh, things like innovation and creativity. All right, so we have to be able to think critically, and we have to be able to think creatively. I know I've I've taken all of that stuff about what needs to be done in. And, and put it into a single phrase, uh, creative and critical thinking. Okay, we have to employ creative and critical thinking if we are going to succeed. I have said this many, many, many times, and it needs to be repeated. In fact, it needs to be said uh, every day uh, going forward by all of us. Okay. You've also heard me talk about uh, something that relates to it, but is it's describing the exact uh, cognitive orientation and intellectual operation that goes on when we find ourselves in an environment and in situation that is highly uncertain. It is, uh, it consists of very adverse conditions. There are hostile agents in this environment, and there is no clear pathway that we can see to success. We have to be able to innovate on the fly. We have to be able to create and innovate and think critically in real time. Okay. How do you do that? Okay, so I'm going to come right out and say most people don't know how to do that, and if you ask them to describe it very, very carefully and explicitly, uh, how do you go about uh, thinking critically and creatively under conditions in which uh, complexity and uncertainty prevail? How do you do that exactly? Okay. The normal way that we think. Now, I don't know if this is because we have been taught uh, improperly. I I would say that that has something to do with it. And maybe that's just part of the human condition that we have to address ourselves to. But in many cases, we have been taught to think Uh, in ways that are inappropriate for the environment that we find ourselves in. Okay, what is it? All right, so we can describe the way that we have been taught in our formal education programs up to and including a lot of the training that I received as a... uh, member of the military and as a uh, fighter pilot and as a air warfare specialist. Uh, we have we were taught within the context of what I call literal determinism. What does that mean? Uh, we were taught to think of things literally, okay? Literally means that exact, uh, the the 
literal description of something, okay, the object or event was literally described. Okay, the object is moving uh, uh, at a compass direction or heading of such and such at a uh, at a velocity of such and such and at an altitude of such and such. That is a literal definition of a hostile agent. Okay, is that wrong? Uh, not necessarily wrong, but it's incomplete. Okay, because it misses the point. What should we be doing instead? Okay, if we cannot, uh, if we are unable to, in the environment that we're in, if we're unable to uh, deterministically uh, consider things, then we have to uh, uh, establish a mindset and a thinking process that we describe as the alternative to literal determinism, and that is probabilistic conceptualism. Okay, that is an alternative. Why do we need to have that? Because we need to think within the context of probabilistic conceptualism when things are complex and uncertain and there are high levels of adverse conditions that we will or are encountering. <clears throat> Why is that? Because, because in such an environment, it is impossible for us <coughs> to know exactly what's going on at every time, at the time and place that we're in it, it's impossible for us to know what is entirely going on. There is lots and lots of uncertainty. If we are living in a world in which uncertainty prevails, and I also add to that uncertainty and complexity. If we are living in a world in which uncertainty and complexity prevail, then we cannot think literally and we cannot think deterministically. We have to think probabilistically and we have to establish concepts or create conceptual structures. Another way of saying that is we have to employ conceptualism. We have to create the concepts in which we are going to operate, the conceptual framework in which we are going to operate. Okay, what is the conceptual framework when you are leading a flight into a battle space, an airborne battle space, and you're a flight leader of friendly forces? What is the concept Okay, the concept is uh, is that the uh, the the wingmen that you have, or the aircraft that are within your flight, and if you're a flight leader, the concept is that they can be employed uh, in a number of ways within the tactical conceptual structure. You have to have the tactical conceptual structure first in order for you to be successful. Okay, that applies across the board. So conceptualism, that has to be the thing that we uh, work on to get better at and to perfect. Also, we have to look at this whole field of probabilistic uh, orientation in which is what is the likelihood or another way of saying that is what is the risk. If we're looking at risk management, we can use risk. Risk means the same thing as likelihood. 
Okay, but likelihood is more generic. And we could say that what is the likelihood that I could achieve a position advantage with respect to the airborne enemy forces? What is the likelihood that I could do so? Okay, if I am operating from a position of depleted energy, and if the enemy forces have a much higher level of energy than I do, then the likelihood of me achieving an advantage or an advantageous position with respect to the enemy forces is low. Okay, that's how it's done. Okay, I just described exactly how a fighter pilot thinks. Right there. What is the likelihood that I can achieve an advantage? Okay. My primary mission objectives is, number one, achieve the advantage, number two, succeed in conflict, and number three, conserve resources. Those are my primary mission objectives as an air combat aviator. That's the, 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 those are the superordinate things that I have to deal with. First and foremost is achieve an advantage. I have to be able to do that. I have to look at my energy state with respect to the energy state of the energy forces, and that's critical. Okay, That requires me to think critically because that assessment is mission critical. I'm not going to be successful unless I can do that, first and foremost. So when you enter the battle space, the first order of business is not to execute the maneuver. The first order of business, and I used to teach this, okay, as a, as a Top Gun instructor, I used to teach this. The first order of business is determine the attack plan, okay, and that ba is not based upon uh, determinism, okay, when I say determine, all right, don't get me wrong, this is not deterministic. Determine a, a, a attack plan is to is to establish the conceptual structure by which you are going to execute your attack. Okay, that has to be done utilizing likelihoods and expectations. What is the likelihood? What is the expectation? What is the probability? They all basically mean the same thing. Now, if you want to get real technical here, and I've talked about this on uh, previous shows, if you've got to get real technical here, you say, all right, is this guesswork? No, it's actually not, all right, but it is not well understood. If you're going to get really technical here and employ some high-level mathematics, then you need to look at Bayes' theorem. B-A-Y-E-S, Bayes' theorem. Look it up. I've mentioned this before. Bayes' theorem is a completely new uh, <coughs> mental orientation when it comes to mathematics. Okay? Completely new. It's not well understood. It's been rejected by most, but it's a very, very powerful way to conceptualize a particular situation. So, Bayes' theorem helps us understand how to establish or create the conceptual structure. Okay, the conceptual structure is not created in an ad hoc fashion. In aerial combat, the conceptual structure is not created in an ad hoc fashion because we have taken Bayes' theorem and employed that in a way that enables us to establish uh, weighted measures of effectiveness. Okay, now that's powerful stuff, all right? And we can talk, we'll talk about that later. We'll have some videos on the subject as well, uh, but weighted measures of effectiveness. Can we measure, can we establish measures of effectiveness? 
uh, figures of merit. What is the figure of merit? Probabilistic uh, conceptualism enables us to do such a thing. We establish figures of merit uh, with respect to our ability to perform and our ability to engage in high-stakes operations. Okay, uh, that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to succeed. Okay, so in conclusion then, what was the question? I'm asking my audio engineer, uh, how exactly does a fighter pilot think, right? That was the question, right? And so, and why Why is knowing this, uh, why is knowing that this is important, uh, why do we need to know this? All right. <clears throat> A fighter pilot employs a type of uh, mental processing or evokes certain intellectual resources and capabilities that allows him or her to conceptualize and to look at likelihoods and expectations. That's how a fighter pilot thinks, and we need to know that because in many cases, that's exactly how all of us need to think. We need to be able to consider seriously and with analytic rigor uh, that which uh, enables us to consider such things as likelihoods and expectations because that's the only way we are going to be able to succeed in an environment and in a, in a world in which complexity and uncertainty prevail. I think we're getting, are we getting to the end of another show? We are. Right. So thank you for being with us and we will see you all next week.